Hello and welcome to Push My Follow, episode number 31. I am Michael Gaines and with me is everybody except Sarah. We have Christine Cavalier. Hello. Joe Cascio. Hi there. Eric Rice. Greetings and salutations. And on the not-so-west coast, Annie Basio. On the not-so-west coast. Hello, everyone. You want to tell everybody a little backstory? No. Annie says that she pretends she's on the west coast. So I get more time in my day. But, I get three extra hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know that doesn't work out, right? <laughs> it works for one Works day. for one day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I use it sparingly. Uh. So what does everybody think the biggest... The biggest story. We had a lot of stories. This was a big news story. I'm, I'm I'm torn between the the uh, the San Mateo County Sheriff or police or whatever the React team seizing <laughs> Jason Chen of Gozmodo's property, or the Facebook conference and all the crap that's spreading all over the place. Oh my God! Run for your lives! Privacy! They're going to come and I have know. to go with the Facebook because that certainly more widespread that affects, affects people. 500 million people or something, <laughs> however many people. Well, we've already Although, seen exploits. I, I would love to see a photo uh, of the apprehension of the, uh, of the, of the uh, Apple phone guy. You know, would, did they have guns drawn? And remember the... No, they bust down the door. Actually, yeah, they did bust <laughs> down the door. Down the door. No one was arrested. He, he was, they, they just seized his computers. But he wasn't home. We should go over quickly because by the time we upload this, yeah, I feel news. Because it it just happened like just be I mean, a couple of hours it's before today we, when yeah. we're recording. Yeah, but no, they bust down the door. They had a search warrant, and this is over Gizmodo. You know, apparently, well, actually, not apparently. They said they bought for five thousand dollars a gloated iPhone. Um, yeah, they seriously gloated. They bought a prototype iPhone from a dude that found the iPhone prototype found it. left in a bar. Found it. And so uh, an investigation happened. React, which is a computer crime division in Silicon Valley, uh, got a warrant from a judge, bashed down Jason Chen's door. He can be reimbursed for that, of course. And they, uh, they grabbed a crap load of stuff, cameras, you know, computer in a trunk of a car, the whole thing. And what was written on the warrant is what is most intriguing. You're going to hear a lot of bloggers screaming about shield laws and the whole blogging versus journalism thing. But that's not what it read to me because it says equipment used or part of a felony. Mm -hmm. So, you know. The felony this, being the supposed. That this is stolen um, property. Uh, that this right. phone, while well, it was found, um, yeah. it was pretty it obvious be. that it belonged to someone at apple and it probably would have been smart to for the guy to call apple not gizmodo well yeah, well i mean if i had found that thing i don't own an iphone so if i had found it i would no, think but, oh somebody lost their iphone i wouldn't think it was you know but as the story alpha, turned as the story went out initially he did just think it was an iphone but the story and no one is saying that this isn't the, the true story is he pretty the guy did realize what he had in his hand mm. he did how, know how did he know that i'm I'm just curious about the fact like how did this happen to fall into the hands of someone who basically knew what it was I, basically I don't know, what happened was there was a guy from apple that had this phone he, he was drinking at a bar and he left his phone there a dude who is a sitting there 
got a hold of the phone, and then started messing with it. Noticed some weird stuff, because he was from, most people probably maybe feel familiar with the iPhone. Noticed some really weird stuff, but probably by the next morning, I believe, the phone had been bricked remotely through the mobile meat kill service. Mm -hmm. That's, now the thing is, is that the programmer, or, or, yeah, the programmer from Apple, he was duly named by Gizmodo. The person that found the phone and sold it to Gizmodo, we have no idea who that is. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Gizmodo has been, you know, oh, yeah, we paid $5,000 for the whole thing. <laughs> so that's basically it. So I don't know. Maybe the police are investigating Jason Chen to be able to get, um, you know, the uh, the identity of the person who get, get that. Maybe it has nothing to do with the story at all. Well, other than the fact that they did prove it. But Apple might have a claim against the guy who sold the phone. Mm-hmm. The only possible thing, and this is, of course, with the whole not a lawyer disclaimer, is I believe there's a clause that says if any reasonable person would realize that this is a stolen thing that they're buying, you know, they shouldn't even gone after the phone. Right. You know, so that's where I think the whole felony, misdemeanor, whatever it is. It says felony on the uh, uh, thing. And the police also told Jason Chen of Gizmodo that, no, he was not a suspect. He wasn't being arrested or anything. He was just told to stand over there while we finish. Thank you. Have a nice Mm. So. But in a way, it kind of feels good because they were just so cocky about it. And apparently passed it up. But in Gadget's AOL, so... You know, they were probably like, hell no. <laughs> well, let's let's remind everybody these are the same people. Well, not maybe not the same people, but but Gizmodo are the same people that were turning off TVs at CES in two thousand eight. Right. Well, yeah, that was just a, that was a dumb prank. All but I mean, the the, the the thing is, I mean, to me, from the start, it seemed just odd that they were so upfront with, yeah, hey, this guy got this phone, and we know that it belongs to Apple. We know what this is. We're we are sure this is the iPhone 4.0, and um, they just didn't seem to care about the fact that this might just be stolen property. Yeah, they saw everything on the inside. Well, um, I don't know. It, it, what's interesting is uh, that the police considered that a felony, and I, I just – because I remember reading in this book that we were talking about prior to – to starting to record and the the lead in story for this book is about it's a story about how a person uh, lost a cell phone in uh, not a cell phone but a smartphone a, a more valuable than a, just a little flip phone but mm-hmm. in a taxi uh, which happens all the time and um, <laughs> and uh, her brother um, after a few days or a couple of weeks, something like that, started to see pictures that had been posted from the phone mm-hmm. showing up, but new pictures, and, the, and they were of the people who had found the phone, and they had, like, kept it, and, uh, or it was a, uh, maybe not a phone, but a, um, you know, a, uh, a, a palm, uh, uh, what do I want to say, uh, digital assistant kind of a thing. Oh, a PDA. Yeah, PDA. And um, uh, so they tracked this, and the person was stupid enough to, to like, uh, somehow I put enough identification out there that the, the woman who lost the phone, her brother started following up on this. And he put up a blog post, 
And then it got into this whole big thing where the people who had stolen the phone started threatening him and saying, oh, we're going to come and get you and all of wow. this stuff. And, and, but the reason he had to go to those lengths was that the police did not consider it a crime. It was a lost article, not a stolen article. What state was this? I believe it was New York. Yeah, I I was just doing a little bit of Googling, and it's pretty clear. Knowingly buying stolen property in California, misdemeanor usually if it's under 400 bucks, uh, and a year and a fine in county, or if it's a felony, state prison, fine, all of that. If the prosecutor can prove that you knowingly bought something that's stolen, you're done, dude. Yeah, but, so, the, thing but, is, but though, the point is, though, is it, if it's something is lost, it is not, it's not like... But if you can reasonably figure out who owns it, yeah. then it's, not, no, it's no longer lost. Then, then you're um, ethically, if not legally, and I think in many, most places legally, bound to find that owner. And not just keep it for yourself. It's not like finders keepers with valuable items. It's not like I think you found a penny on the floor. Yeah, you well, have to turn it into wherever you found it or something. So well, there's two people at risk here. There's the guy that sold it to Gizmodo or Jason Chan. I don't know how that works, being that he's a representative of a company. But there's two people that could go down for this. I mean, and plus they published the whole freaking they practically gave a deposition with all the blog posts and taking it apart. I mean, hello. <laughs> but not only that, they they not when they wrote it, there were a whole bunch of people that were dismantling what they said. Like, well, this doesn't make any sense, and this doesn't make any sense. And who is this random drunk guy? They actually called him random drunk guy. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. And, that was random drunk not guy. To, was not to mention the fact the that they they went through the trouble of naming the guy at Apple that that. Lost the lost phone, right. the Ray poor Powell, guy, but they yeah. don't name the guy that sold them the phone. And that really irks me, and it irked a lot of people. I didn't see anybody say anything nice about Gizmodo for doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. But, but how, did, you know, how did they know who it was? Well, the, the guy contacted him. They have to put his name on a check. Or, uh, no, how they found out it was the drunk guy who found his phone was uh, futzing around and went and opened up Facebook and it was logged into the dude's profile. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's how they figured it out. But, you know, that was very uh-huh. published and everything. So anyway, I think the bigger picture is that all the bloggers are going to take this whole blogger versus journalism shield law narrative because that's what's expected of everybody to do. But this is the state of California. You bought stolen property. You knew about it. That's a year in state prison if the prosecutor wants to be a dick. And hmm. this is California. Of course, he's going to be a dick. Well, maybe they'll. <laughs> maybe the defense will say, like, "Well, we thought it was just, you know, a subtle hint from Apple to kind of leak this." You know, no, what I mean? but Apple doesn't do that. But yeah. Yeah. Apple well, doesn't do that. But that that's very but, odd. I know, but Apple that's doesn't very, well, they can say it. that, but, they, but there's no history of that. That's that's, I guess, well, but, they but can say that, like, but... "Well, this is just. It was so bizarre for us to find." You know, to happen upon this thing, we thought that maybe it was meant to do, like meant to happen from Apple. I can see. No. And how is the judge going to say that they didn't think that? Well, only because Apple doesn't need to do it. Everybody knew that a new phone was coming out. They do it every year. People knew. Uh, the only thing that people didn't know are what specific features of the phone um, we were going to see. But that was it. But we, they knew that a phone was coming. So it's not like Apple was leaking something that was like new and innovative. Well, then, so of course, they didn't need to do it. Then the prosecution would have to prove 
you know, that Apple never leaks anything. It's going to be interesting to watch because it could go a few different directions. But I really think that Eric's right that they'll turning this into a a, a a blogger shield law thing is just not. That's just not the case here. That they're not protected. It's the it's penal California penal code four nine six. Wow, that is going to really be interesting to to, you know. Well, I, I don't think uh, I don't see how a shield law, a journalist shield law, would uh, protect you against a stolen property wrap. Well, that's you what know? they're throwing up there right now. That, yeah. That, that, that they right. couldn't go in and. I think I think Eric's right. It's pretty cut and dried. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out because that's right now what they're what they're basing their defense on at the moment. Well, it's it's funny because it it, it kind of reminds you of the kids that go out playing mailbox baseball and and videotape it and then post it on Facebook or something. It's like duh. All right. All right. <laughs> so what? I just think that this is going to be a watershed case. I don't know. Um, I think it's just a, it's. I mean, it will in some in some ways, but not necessarily in the ways that people think it will be. It'll be definitely interesting to watch. Well, I well for one thing, there's the, as as we were saying here, it's a whole journalism versus um, it's a journalism versus blogging. Yeah, but I don't. Um, and 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 I don't again, people want it to go there, but I just don't think it will end up going there because I don't think there's no, any. I, I don't think it. I don't, I don't think, think the law basis there. for it as much as people want there to be a basis for it. And certainly, it, Gawker, I mean, Gizmodo wants there to be a basis. This for the whole story just mimics the past few years in American politics. I mean, for God's sakes. You've got two people that hate each other. They're going to fight. One person's going to bring up another one, uh, another point, and someone's going to deflect and bring up this other point. I mean, this is our political discourse. And it doesn't even matter what side you're on. This is how the game is played. You're going to talk smack about this, and I'm going to bring up this other thing to deflect. Same thing. Same thing. There is no difference between listening to all the mainstream media outlets, whether it's MSNBC or Fox, or listening to the bloggers and journalists and all the people talking and waxing philosophical on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it, there's actually some truth to it all, but everyone's just got to walk around mugging. I just think it's, it, it comes down to simple responsibility. And you know what? Maybe it's profitable. You know, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. If you've seen the movie The Corporation, that one line in that movie that's stood out to me is sometimes breaking the law might be the most cost effective thing we can do. It's, you know, so well, what? That's a fact of business. <laughs> yeah. So if it's $5,000 plus the fine, and if you can give your employee paid vacation for a year because he's in jail, uh, maybe that's <laughs> good, good for PR. Seriously, what's your marketing budget? Break yeah. a few laws, get fined, pay them off, boom, done. You could probably get a better deal by breaking the law. So I don't know if we want to go into the um, the whole blogger versus journalist thing, but I did read some interesting um, notions about that. But that could be a little too, I don't know, what you guys want to do about that's that. That's a big conversation, right? Yeah. I think everybody <laughs> is. For another time. <laughs> I think everyone's dying for this to be, you know, hammered out in some sort of court of law in any way possible. You know, but th- fair. Someone wants a definitive answer. Of course. You know, but that's every, probably never going to happen. It's going to be one of those ongoing things, I think. Right. 
No, I don't know. I think that this is going to have to be settled once and for all. I mean, Gizmodo, they pro- what they probably did was thought, look, I mean, one of two things are going to happen here. Either we're going to win or we're not. And then if we don't, what are we liable for? And and so they they did. I, I, I'm sure there's somebody telling them these guys, don't do this. Don't be that guy. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, that, don't that's be one that thing that you don't want it right. I mean, because really, I mean, like if you found a, a 4G iPhone, would you want to be that guy that posted it on your blog and then just got into like a boatload of trouble for it? I mean, I, well, that I mean, takes think about that think I don't have. Put, put this this story and all of this into the hands of some mainstream outlet. How would that, what would that look like? I mean. I think that they would handle it differently. They wouldn't gloat about it for one thing. I think that I think that put Gizmodo in more hot water than anything else is the fact that they said, "Nah, nah, nah, we've got a four G iPhone and you don't." Well, and, and, we, I, and, and not I, only that, but they paid five thousand dollars for it. So, it all it does is just piss off the people that were involved because they think that they're untouchable due to whatever advice that they got, which may or may not be wrong. Well, I I I tend to think of mainstream. Uh, outlet would have handled it differently too, because they've got a better paid legal department, and mm-hmm. and it's certainly not, and it certainly wouldn't be, have been the first time that something like this would have come up. So I'm, they, you know, they probably had some history to fall back on. But I think you're right. It was just that, you know, that kind of arrogance and and mm-hmm. hubris. I the, think that if a mainstream uh, a mainstream media got this, they would have said, "Look, we've got your iPhone." There's nothing you can do about it because it was lost or dropped or whatever. I mean, like, it's not like what they are you going to do? It? It's, it's like let's make a deal. Yeah, I mean, they probably would have said let's make a deal, and and Apple would probably be in a position where they would have to do something. Whereas Gizmodo just said, "Screw you, we're going to do what we want." Yeah, and I think that's going to hurt them in the long run. Speaking of deals, this is somewhat related to the whole tech and legal thing. Google decided to handle YouTube video copyright claims a little differently by putting a fair use button. So if your video has been zapped or muted, whatever, because of a copyright claim, you have a little button that says fair use and you Mm -hmm. click it, your video goes back up and then the copyright holder has to then pursue it through the courts. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. I went to check this out because I had a video that had been muted, but apparently it's unmuted because they now throw an ad over the video. So I don't really care, but I didn't have the fair use buttons. I actually have two videos on my YouTube account that have music in them, but they're okay because the copyright owner basically said, we'll slap an ad on it. Interesting way of handling it, but yeah. So I was kind of impressed to see how Google was handling the whole fair use thing, basically throwing it back in their faces. Huh. Hmm. This came up because of what? Just talking law and tech. No, no, no. I mean, like, well, <laughs> what, oh, what video specifically like, sparked Not right this? now. <laughs> well, they, they've, they've been getting in. They, they are inundated with, with copyright uh, violation claims. And, yeah. uh, and I think, uh, I don't know, I think that's a very significant development because it means they're just not rolling over for the, for the, uh, the publishers. DMC is takedown basically gets used as a blunt instrument just to right. beat 
one in a submission. And fair use, as is commonly quoted, is a matter that's decided in court. Mm. Right, exactly. So, so and, and that's a huge change because now, you know, that's that's going to be a certainly big, balances things out a lot. Yeah, exactly, because it's going to throw the burden back on the publishers to to show that it's not fair use, rather than just saying, you know, we're going to come and take your teenager away, slap her in jail. This is actually connected too because people are bringing up the Hitler downfall parodies of all of the just dozens and dozens and dozens of Hitler being pissed off at the iPad, Xbox Live, Nikon cameras, Twitter, whatever. Um, you know, so. I don't see how anything isn't fair use when you're when there's comments. You know, there's always commentary in YouTube. So that automatically would make it fair use because you are, uh, you know, assessing, commenting, it's commentary, it's opi- you know, opinions on whatever material it is. So how is that not fair use? Well, they also, a lot of people just throw up videos and just, you know, have it. Trust me, my kids watch SpongeBob clips all the time on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, no, right. But I'm saying if there's commentary, then any judge will well, have to Well, the comments aren't part of the, the video, though. That's... No, but, it, but, the, but you're using the service as a blog, say. So you can talk to your friends. You can make comments about the particular, you know, media. Well, you that's know what not I mean? for the copyright holder. That's the problem. They basically go, you know, mm-hmm. it's like old mashup videos. Is uh, YouTube a blogging service, though, on top of things? Somebody it's, else's property, and you do Well, something. but I can take it and put it on my site, on purplecar.net, and talk about whatever it is. Yeah, but you can't take the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel, and throw it up there. You can't take an entire show and put it up and then say, okay, let's talk about this. That's, I can take 10 minutes of it. under fair use. Well, you take, know... I can what, take what, pieces of it in 10 minutes. Yeah, well, it, this is very interesting because... This comes back to the same fundamental question as bloggers versus journalists. And if you think about it, um, the um, if you watch like uh, you know Siskel and Ebert, or and I, I don't know who the, the they are now, but you know what I'm talking about. They show you know clips from movies all the time. Well, and, but they have the license to do it though. It's given to them from the studios. Well. Yeah. But a lot of the reason that they get that is that there aren't many Siskel and Eberts, okay? And and it comes down to the same thing about uh, bloggers versus journalists. And uh, the, the problem is that uh, if you let everybody who can publish, which is everybody now, if you let everybody who can publish claim journalistic shield – then the courts would never be able to get anybody to testify. You know, I'm exaggerating a bit, but um, when journalists were a small number of people who worked for a particular company, then they could claim it as professionals. But a lot of people make their living blogging now. And how are they not journalists? I think well, if I had that the bat- laws have to change to, yeah, to reflect would, the reality. Yeah, but I, the only way it can change is is for that shield law to go away, because otherwise, everybody you know could just write. No, a, that's uh, not the answer. Either. 
and 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 that's the, I mean we're I think we're mixing and matching here a little bit, but um, you know getting rid of the shield law would would not would cause more problems than it would solve. Well, that's true, but uh, I did, the point I was trying to make is that it it comes down to the same thing um, that when everybody can do something, it it's different than when a few people can do it. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's the change that we're seeing is that everybody can publish. Everybody can, can take clips and put it up. It, it, isn't, it isn't restricted to a small number of people that, you know, you can somehow deal with. So then who is it hurting if a bunch of people do it? Well, that's the thing. I mean, and that's why this blunt instrument has been mm-hmm. used so much because people, are, the, uh, their copyright holders are panicking. Not really knowing what's going to happen. I mean, well, nobody, from my view, know. they should be glad that people are taking bits and pieces of their work because it's spreading it to a wider audience. Yeah, the biggest um, theological difference between the old and new media is right. how to use stuff. You know, their their view is like, well, people are watching it and they're not paying us money right now for it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, maybe not right now, but down the road, maybe they will. You know? So... It's just a different way of looking at it, and that's where the adjustment is, and that's where the, the growing pains are. Just true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next one. The, the, the next big thing, of course, would be Facebook. Facebook. Let's talk about Facebook Oh, no. Oh, no. They're stealing all our stuff. They're stealing our information and spreading it to the world without our permission. Well, the, the fact... The problem I have with it is that the default is always opt out. You know, you have right. to opt out. Sure. It would be fine if you if you wanted to opt in. I would, you know, I, I wouldn't particularly go for it or think it was a great thing to do for people. But, you know, hey, if you want to do it, that's fine. But just don't, you know, there's a lot of unsuspecting people <laughs> that, you know, they never even get it past the first you know, settings dialogue. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly it, Joe. I think that yeah. that's, that is the, the main issue is that you have to go in yourself and figure out where this checkbox is, which keep, it's already moved twice in the past week since they even set it up. Find this little checkbox and uncheck it so that you will not be participating in this new feature that um, has all your information shared with outside partners. Um, but beyond that, I mean, yeah, that's the issue that, that, that it's, people don't know about it and don't know what to do about it because if they did, if it was added and then you had to opt in, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Exactly. All right. So for those that don't know, the, the problem is that with their new system they're they call it, um, Facebook, no, it's uh, open graph. Social graph. God, you know they have so many open social graph <laughs> things. I can't even can't even get the thing straight. It's it's open. Just graph. call it open ID. It's the same thing, or is that passport? I forgot. Never mind. No, I think that's <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's not like this is a new idea. It's just that Facebook is so huge, they can just come in and say, "We're doing this." Whether they you just like it, or not. it across the web. They made a widget. You can like things, share things, share things about your friends on all of that. It's kind of opt in. Or opt out rather, because mm-hmm. uh, who wants to opt into being marketed to whatever? And uh, you know, people lost their crap. And uh, it, I kind of like the universal login. 
the uh, open ID. Nature. I do too. I use Facebook Connect to log in and sites whenever Facebook I Facebook Connect is easier than Open ID and more successful than Microsoft Passport. So I guess I'm cool with that. That will piss off a bunch of y'all. But <laughs> I actually, I, I kind of like this. I mean, I I know what it is and I understand how it works. So and I and I have no problem with it so far right now. But you know, my mom doesn't want anything to do with it. You know, <laughs> freaks well, out a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I like the convenience of it. I like the convenience of, of login with Twitter. I love that. I don't do login with Facebook, but I do login with Twitter. And um, I find that to be, you know, very useful. And uh, uh, But the problem is that, you know, you, you, don't, you don't want people becoming like the next Microsoft, right? And trying, because once they get you there, you know, then it becomes like this, um, you know, ever increasing octopus that keeps pulling you in and you can't do anything then without, you know, using one you know, of their products. You know so what's interesting to me about this whole thing, though, I don't, I, I don't know if maybe it's just me, but it really reminds me very much of America Online in the late 90s. That was the internet to most people, or to mm-hmm. a huge number of people. Yeah. AOL was the internet. There was nothing outside of the internet as far as they were concerned. They logged into the AOL. Everything they did was within AOL. So they were you know, connected with their friends and in the same groups with people and things like this. And what Facebook seems to be trying to do is turn the entire internet into AOL around 1998, except mm-hmm. with the login being Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is very similar to me. Yeah, well, it, I mean, that's uh, corporations always try to do that. They always try to, to get exclusive use of you so that they kind of, you know, uh, can milk you for all kinds of stuff. Um, but, but people, the thing is, the people loved AOL. The people who were on there loved it. They, they were perfectly happy in their cocoon of AOL. Mm-hmm. And they missed it when it was gone. My mom so, is actually getting off of AOL because she's getting broadband uh, because her new computer doesn't have a dial-up modem, and she is just terrified that her world's going to collapse, that she's going to lose her AOL. So, so for for a lot of people, maybe there's a comfort factor in going to uh, leaving Facebook, going to another website, seeing that familiar little button that looks like Facebook and okay, I'm still on Facebook in their, in their minds, you know, not, 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 not overtly maybe thinking it, but just maybe subconsciously thinking it, uh, that it's a comfort factor that they're safe there, you know, people are afraid of the big bad internet. It's still true. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the people who are the becoming the largest population on Facebook, which are people who are, you know, in their forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah. That's, they're becoming the largest user base for Facebook. So that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about the college kids. So nobody has issues about privacy with all this? Well, hell yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah, if you go and take, If you opt out, it doesn't matter. Your friends can still opt you in. So, like, you know, all your friends that have have forgotten to uncheck the thing, all their friend information is shared. So well, yeah. I have to go through 800 freaking people and say, please disallow this because I don't want my information shared. Well, the only information that's getting shared are names. Um, if it, depending on how locked down you are, 
For now, I think that's all that's getting shared. But I think group memberships, those are, you can't hide those. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I don't, I I don't think it's just names. I think it's behaviors. Well, within Facebook, there's a group membership issue, things like that. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't matter if you opt out because your friends, if your friends, if will share all your information because it says in the small print that, you know, yeah. your information you can is still disabled shared. that as well, though. That can be disabled as well. Where? How? It's in one of the 47,000 configurations. Yeah, this, well, that, that's a part of the problem, too. It's <laughs> I, like, so trying to know where to disable And, you know, it's there. You can completely opt out of it without having to delete or deactivate your account. It is possible. And I think... That all of the controls that they do have, um, and I'm trying to do this from memory because I haven't done any of this because I don't care. I'm not worried about it. My privacy policy does not involve the tools. It's more meta than that. So the things that I'm putting online have very much an intentional purpose and reason and misdirection if necessary. So that's not pri- – Facebook will not dictate my privacy. I dictate my privacy and how I use the tool is going to do that. So I don't care if I like something on another site, you know, and if something, you know, post inadvertently, like I've been tricked into liking something else, then I'm going to scream and bitch and moan about it and draw attention to the fact that I just clicked on some scammy thing, but not so far as the, and yes, I just saw another person join a group on June 1st. Facebook is going to start charging money. Run. Right, right, right. <laughs> all in all caps. Yeah. But anyway, I think the preference is there. And if you look for the tutorials, well, granted, the tutorials have to change every month because Facebook just, let's change it again. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's the same rule it's always been for the Internet. Don't put anything on the Internet that you would ever be embarrassed to have someone else read. I don't whoever Mm -hmm. they are. I don't put anything on the Internet that I don't want my mom to see, you know, because it's public it's a public place it's not and people no don't privacy. seem to understand that um and there's, it's, not yeah, there's... it's not just you remember it's everyone else around you has right. to abide by that as well i, sure. I was able, but, I, but then that's true and that's why i know somebody who's going around untagging photographs of herself <laughs> at the moment i do that <laughs> i untag whatever whatever i don't look good in Right around the time the whole pleaserobme.com thing came out because people were starting to raise awareness about Foursquare and all that. Talk about it like it was like, you know, 20 years ago. That was like two weeks ago. The summer of 60. No. uh, Yeah. It was like two months ago, really. I was able to successfully pull a lot of information um, about somebody as a result of metadata in the background of some of their very innocuous photos as well as kind of putting two and two together and i ended up finding their parents online and able to figure out a whole universe based on all of the weak links that their parents were being connected so it's not just you yeah you can not i've found plenty of people online that don't even use the net like we use the net and there, you could still pull it up. But maybe I'm a different case because I actively do genealog- uh, genealogical research. So I am basically doing forensic research of history and trying to hack situations together where I don't even know what the puzzle pieces look like, much less having to put it together. Hmm. So, but I mean, it's not just you. Everybody can, you know, somebody makes a comment about you. Right. 
Yeah. And over time, does anybody is anybody gonna really care about this anymore, or is there I, what they're trying to say is they want the web to be open, they want everything to be public. I think the At goal point, is that they don't want anybody to care anymore. I think that's why they make it so difficult because they want their, it, the they want to wear point? us down. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, I think that's this last thing that really is what it feels like because I mean, how many times we had. A similar discussion, right? There was Beacon, and then there was mm-hmm. when they changed the way the configurations thing worked, and then you know it's like every couple of months it's something else, and it is in their economic interest to have everybody share everything because that's how they get revenue. Is and for everybody, it's, it's it's retail. So every time somebody gets pissed off and leaves, somebody else is going to be there signing up the next day. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so what about the what about how they all right some people i well not some people but i read one place saying that uh, facebook won the web does it does anybody really believe that crap no, i mean this, they, this, they, they, this, they won anything they wanted for like maybe this year yeah this something six else months, will always come along i mean come on we have enough history to know that yeah but, aol alta vista hello yeah. Infos, mm-hmm. you know yeah. but what they did do i have to say what they did do is they beat google at their own game because Google was all about people, and we've said it on, on the show before. Google has tried to do social networking before, and they fail. Why? Because they just don't have the they don't have the environment, they don't have the uh, the culture of a social network. It's all about documents and mail, and <laughs> and and how many people really share a lot of their information on Google. Plus, there's not a lot of there aren't any places to put that kind of information. I, well, I think Google's sneaky way of doing it is you're social to data points mm-hmm. and not social to other social beings. The tricky thing right. is that Google's got everything indexed. You can, right. you can comment about a constellation in the night sky, and guess what? To borrow a phrase from Apple, there's an app for that. Yeah, Google's indexed the universe as and many other planets and heavenly bodies, and you know, I'm seeing more and more normal people I'm very surprised I see on things like Google Buzz. Why? Because they're commenting about a place that they're at. Google is putting wires together, and they're all connected to one thing, mm-hmm. is data and place and all that. But you know what Facebook has that Google doesn't have is they've got people's hearts. Yes. That's where they're finding their their long-lost friends and their long-lost family members and there's a fear if i leave facebook then i'm not going to be connected with these people anymore and i don't want to lose them again but google's that's a big the thing that's going to be hearts. hard for someone else to come along and take that out take over that right i don't think that they have to i think they just have to deal with the function it's almost like the difference between just being ideological and being profitable you know, you can have like a, a political belief about something that really feels good, but then at the end of the day, is well, are you broke? Or are you making money? Kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. it's easy for ideology to fall off. But if they're two separate things altogether, you know, we're still. I'm not seeing a map application from Facebook yet. Google All owns right. it, and everybody <laughs> yeah. else owns that. So you can be in love with Facebook as much as you want, but guess who still owns your mapping world? <laughs> You know, it ain't Facebook. Well, yeah, I don't think one is going to replace the other. That I think that they'll find some kind of a way that the pieces fit together and work together. Um, but, what, but as far as what come, what's going to come along next to take over 
what Facebook is doing is, you know, that that's going to be interesting if that. Well, I think all of these companies eventually, like Eric was saying, you can you can tick them off, you know, just one after another, that they establish um, a kind of a strategy for using technology and uh, and then they ride that horse until it drops. And, and, <laughs> and what happens is, and you can see this with Microsoft now, it happened, and I, it, you if you go way back, you saw it with IBM, you saw it with Digital yep. Equipment Corporation. That's exactly what I was going to say. And what happens is, and you, you, you're really seeing this with Microsoft now, is that strategy of Windows Uberalis, in other words, get Windows into everything, because mm-hmm. then, that's what I was talking about with the octopus pulling you in, right? Then you have to use Office, then you have to use Outlook, then you have to use .NET, then you have to use Windows servers, you know, then they got you. And, um, and that strategy has now fallen because everything's going mobile, and they missed the boat on mobile, well, everybody still misses the boat. They still want you in their own little cocoon. It's like, you know, I like the Google universe a lot, but it's not, you know, I'm using Flickr over Picasa. And, mm-hmm. you know, my news or sports might come from some other place. I mean, everybody thinks, that, well, you just got to be all in my camp. No, I don't want to be in your camp. We did this with portals. We're doing it with search yep. engines. Just kind of. Yeah, people resist that. I mean, they're not. Um, but like you say, there's a whole contingent of people out there that that you know they kind of like that that snugly feel, you know, that mm-hmm. somebody you know everything kind of works together and they don't have to think about it too much, and that's what those companies prey on. But you know, just like Dell and IBM, and all, we're supposed and, to compete, not get along. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, those those strategies will eventually become. Uh, obsolete and and those companies can't adjust to it because they built their whole world the desks the woodwork the pencil sharpeners everything is oriented around that strategy and for google it's search and someday that that horse is gonna run out of gas and (laughs) yes that was my cat i'm in a three-car garage and the cat is all the way on the other side of the garage (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a cat person <laughs> I'm serious. You don't need to bitch all the way to the food dish, animal. Just go and eat. It's really simple. And I just have that parental tone, don't I? <laughs> yes, you do. Well, the cat obviously is is past eating in the garage. She probably wants to eat in. Oh, she's family. eating now, but she had to complain the whole way because she knows better. I hope you don't edit this out, Mike. I really need to share that with the world. (laughs) Come over there. Don't make me log on. No, I won't. No, I won't edit it out. (laughs) You gotta love podcasting. Oh, it's awesome. This is Farmville for Push My Follow. Oh, Eric is up in the Farmville for real. I'm up in the real life Farmville. I built a sheep fence. You built a chicken coop. I'm in the process of it, actually. I got oh. crap in my garage. No, still no chickens, huh? Well, actually, the problem is that the pasture is getting overgrown. <laughs> I need sheep before I need chickens. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. You need, well, you need, apparently you need, you know, did you read Omnivore's Dilemma? You need like all three. You need like the chicken, the sheep, and then the cows, and then you rotate them through, and then the grass grows. There's a, there's this whole sustainable thing. Yeah, I know. I, I got that. I'm okay. on it. All right, good. So I got this. <laughs> got I'm it. on that it's sustainable a totally thing. different podcast now. And he's got a herding cat, obviously. Oh, Welcome goodness. to Green Living with the Push My Follow <laughs> Eco Edition. <laughs> All right, it's getting late. I think we're getting silly now. Getting late? <laughs> Not that there's any the cat. Yeah, we record the show so late. We get so giddy. Except... I know. <laughs> I'm laughing. At, I'm laughing at Eric, but my cat could totally f us up any freaking time. So you know, <laughs> my cat's painting my butt. I'm wide awake. It's still three hours earlier for me out here. I'm like, Woo. Yeah, oh, I'm Annie's here. wide awake. It's three hours earlier for Annie. Oh, that's right. That's oh, right. Really? And I'm falling asleep. <laughs> In <laughs> your part of New Jersey, it's not the West Coast. Uh, yeah. All right, we're gonna have to cut it because I'm falling asleep. Okay. <laughs> All right, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you want to contact us, you can go to pushmyfollow.com. You can find all our Twitter IDs there. Leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Like us on and Facebook. As, oh, yeah, Share like us, us on, on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> yes, please, like us on Facebook because we need that. <laughs> Share everything you possibly can about us on Facebook. Oh, please don't overshare. All right, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Cheers. And that's a wrap. <laughs> and that's a okay.